Shrimp on the barbie. Shrimp, 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 shrimp on the barbie. Do you respect that? That's corruption. I could make a fake snake. Do you not pee in the pool? Do you, 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 you not pee on the barbie? All of myself is clean. Broadcasting from the top of the Space Needle, the world's greatest landmark, take it away, MarkBot 5000. Thanks, Eric. MarkBot 5000 here, and not the king of Memphis, Jerry Lawler. Welcome to the Hard Mark Podcast, a show where the tall, dark, and handsome Eric Donaldson, wrestling fan of over 30 years, introduces one match per episode to his co-host who has never watched wrestling. They talk about the backstory. They watch the match, and then they rank that match on their ever-growing list. Oh, I sure hope there's puppies in this match. You know what my favorite breed of puppy is, Ryan. Pointers! <laughs> the purpose of the show is to see what happens when someone that's never watched wrestling is introduced to its most notable matches. And don't worry, Ryan, I know that you're a real man that stands up to pee. Probably because if you sat down, you'd smell the stink from your unwashed asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking god is this i mean not to belabor this point everybody welcome to the hard mark podcast uh i don't want to you know drag this bit through the mud and make make it overstay its welcome but is that the reason that you stand up to peace so much ryan is because you don't want to smell your own butt no oh i don't then i don't know where hard, where mark bot 5000 is getting this information i stand up to pee because at the bar it says hey these are the rooms for people who stand up to pee and these are rooms for people who sit down to pee that's why i do I don't think it says that on the on the doors at all. I think it just has a little dress Save icon. Take a picture of that, all right? Save Do they? Take a picture of it. Eric, Maybe you're looking in the wheelchair it. room. No, Eric, it's, it's uh, you know, I learned two, three, four. As a man, you know, I got to stand up for myself and to pee. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. Like, here we are these uh, years later. He's still standing up to pee. And stand up for himself. And stand up for the little guy against uh, pooper cheats, those sons of bitches. And burning cats. And burning cats. He will not abide by burning cats. And if you don't know what the fuck we're talking about, rumpus time. Last week, check it out. We talk about burning cats. Talk about uh, Ryan's celebrity crush. (laughs) You'll be surprised at the revelation that we make. Uh, (laughs) That's that's a little clickbait way of getting you to listen to that. But uh, yeah, check it out. It's nothing. Well, very little wrestling. I think we briefly talked about a a wrestling thing, but I don't think it would inhibit anyone's enjoyment uh, who's who's vehemently anti-wrestling. But anyone who's listening to us right now, not vehemently anti-wrestling because we're going to talk about wrestling here today ryan how does that how does that grab you that's what i'm here for what are you doing on your computer right now because you're not listening to me it bothers me that you know your whole face was lit up white from your screen (laughs) you're clearly like googling something and i can hear you clicking every time you click i can hear it maybe the mouse is too close to that yeah (laughs) you hear that no are you doing it right now yeah no, I can't. I don't think I can hear that. All right. All right well, we got a solution to the problem. I mean, the, maybe the problem is that you should just be paying attention to the program for, for our adoring public and not... Oh, uh, God, I have like I have 17 tabs open right now. Like That's a personal problem. We had a break. It is a personal problem. 
I just, I just, I had to go through them and see what's up. I just, I, I get distracted. See what's up. You should know what's up. They're your tabs. Yeah. Well, I can see if there's any updates. I don't know. God, if, I, I, they're 50 50 that just some like Pornhub start stuff starts playing. Like, you know, let me mention really quick. I was in a class one time and this guy was screen sharing to go over some stuff and Pornhub was on his favorites. And is this when I you were really, like back to school while we were doing this show? Like that era, or is this before all that? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was recently. So okay. yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I that's a, that's. I don't watch a lot of porn on my computer. Um, I save it for my phone. Um, yeah, at this point, like so, a gentleman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that is a deep fear of mine to have like something pop up like on Pornhub, like and just like well, I'm, or like something that or like. Or like a search that looks stupid, you know, like the <laughs> Pornhub would be worse. Like, or I don't know, like maybe not. I didn't, I wasn't like, you know, that's to be expected. Right? Everyone should Pornhub, you know. But sure. It's just, you don't want that necessarily popping up in like a presentation, you know. I have a quick story actually before we get into the wrestle talk. Uh, yeah. Not, not necessarily what you're talking about, but along those same lines. So <clears throat> at our previous place of business where we, where we met one another, <laughs> There was a time in my life where I was uh, pretty big into fantasy basketball. Uh, everybody yeah. likes fantasy basketball, young and old. They're fantasy it's football, the fantasy sport, like yeah, the biggest like, fantasy sport. Fantasy football is so two thousand and late. Uh, fantasy basketball, everybody likes tallying up rebounds and turnovers and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, big fantasy basketball, Yahoo, fantasy basketball league, etc. And so uh, there was a point where I was doing a lot of the interviewing for, for for the workplace. And so for a very limited, brief amount of time, what they would have to do is after we would finish interviewing them, we'd have to go to HR, ask HR to like send them to their personal email address, some like typing tests or like some other thing to have to fill out. And so oftentimes to make sure that they like knew what they were doing and all that stuff, we would have them just go to our computer and like log into their email that way and check it so we could make sure that they got it. And so that was happening. And so I brought somebody back to my computer to log into their uh, email. And so they were using a Yahoo email address. And so they went there and it automatically populated my screen name for my email that I use for my fantasy basketball league, which was the cock of justice. <laughs> that, just knowing you, like that makes sense. But like for someone who's <laughs> like a professional, like interview, like <laughs> I was mortified when that happened, but like, they were also mortified because I don't think that they necessarily knew it was my computer. And so oh. they were just like, Oh, th- I don't know what that is. That's not mine. And so we were both equally like mortified at the Did exact you tell same. Them? No, why would I fucking tell them? <laughs> well, they obviously thought like they might've like looked something up. They like, can they think were, that they were in a worse situation. than you. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So. So that's, I thought it was going to be like some like NBA like Yahoo. I was like, that's not that bad, but like cock of justice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, one of the highlights of my my time. Did you uh, hire them? I don't know. I don't think so. But it wasn't because of that. <laughs> yeah, wow. there's some dirty por- porno email <laughs> yeah. person. Yeah, you, so. had to, you had to go to Debbie and tell them what happened like, on their, on their from, own computer. <laughs> this person was logging in as the cock of justice over here. We can't hire them on. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was good story. Reminded me of of that time. 
Uh, let's get into the wrestling. Now that we've kind of had that little amuse-bouche about the cock of justice, I have to come clean with you today, Ryan. I was kind of unsure of what match we were going to be watching here. Uh, we've been on a, a bit of a 90s kick a lot of 90s stuff as of late. Uh, in fact, last episode, for anyone who checked that out, we actually have a brand new number one. Hooray, congratulations to both Jerry Lynn and Rob Van Dam. Uh, among all their accolades, being ranked number one on Ryan's list of wrestling matches has probably got to be... Somebody's got to add that to their Wikipedia page. Somebody get on that. Markbot, if you're listening, and I know that you are... I mean, we could do it. I mean, the talent and the host shouldn't have to... to manually go in and update people's wikipedias mm. but uh, i don't disagree with you yeah i was gonna watch have us watch a match featured on wcw nitro and i even had my notes together i had put all that to get like the backstory and everything like that but then the more i thought about it that match did not feel important enough it kind of felt like a lame duck match in the middle of some important stuff uh, the main thing that I wanted to kind of get across to you during that match, we can just cover it at another time. So I'm calling inaudible Ryan. Instead, we're going to be watching something that holds uh, a special place in my heart, uh, which is usually an invitation for you to come in and tear everything down. But we'll just see. We'll see how this goes. We'll see how it hits you. But yeah, let's let's get into it. So the backstory of our match here today starts all the way back in the early 1900s. Back in 1908, Ryan, a baby was born in a manger, and his name was Herbert Moeller. And that baby, baby Herbert, we'll just call him Baby Herbie, uh, he was born in Rye, New York. I do not know where Rye is. I'm assuming it's probably upstate New York somewhere. Have you been to New York? I haven't. Um, but I was curious if that's where rye bread originated from. I'm, I don't have this pulled up in front of me. I feel very confident saying absolutely not. <laughs> no one, I mean, do you, okay. Yeah, I'll do you want me to look it up? Is this, is this going to bother no, you? I just, I just feel like, you know, those pastrami sandwiches are made on rye bread. It's an East Coast thing. Maybe. Okay, hold on. Rye bread. Or is it R-I versus R-Y? Is that it? No, it's spelled like rye bread. You're right. It is it is spelled the same way. I mean, it seems like it is a German thing, which is not... Uh, well, Germans immigrated to New York, just like everyone else. Maybe it, Well, yeah, okay. But yeah, it says... Oh, it was a staple through the Middle Ages. So yeah, definitely not. <laughs> definitely okay, not New right, York. Well, I'm glad you checked, because that would have bothered me the whole... I would, be able to focus on an actual match. I know how you get, and so I wanted to try and nip this in the. So bed. That's in the okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, maybe it was named after the bread, but the bread was not named after the city. But mm. baby Herbie, Herbie Moeller from Rye, New York. He was the son of German immigrants. Little tie in there. Uh, he has two brothers, Fritz and Otto. Which, if you had to name your German children, that's the way you'd probably want to go with that. Uh, Do you think all- Otto came from? This guy, the term automobile. I mean, they're spelled differently. Are they? Auto, yeah. the name auto is O T T O. Yeah, correct. Oh, right. Like Otto von Bismarck. Like, like Rocket Man from Nickelodeon. What the fuck? Some of your references just, I don't like at all. Were you a Jimmy Neutron kid? You strike me as a Jimmy Neutron kid. I was a Rocket, Rocket Power. Oh, Rocket Power. Oh, Rocket Man, sorry. I, I, yeah, Rocket I, Power, Otto. You didn't even need to correct yourself because I don't know the difference between either of those. But yes, Otto. Uh, So at the age of eight, the tender age of eight, uh, Herbert 
contracted polio, uh, which over several years he would eventually manage to recover from with assistance from his older brothers who would carry him along in a wagon. Speaking of injuries in the last episode, polio, woof, that would be not the greatest time. But uh, as Herbie... Uh, as he grew older, despite his own physical setback with polio, he and his brother Fritz began careers as professional wrestlers, with the earliest record that I was able to find dating back to 1936. Now, when Herman, or excuse me, when Herbert began wrestling, much like uh, many wrestlers, both past and present, he would actually wrestle under a pseudonym, which was Hans Schnabel, or Hans Schnabel. I apologize. Hans Schnabel. Very German. Yes, also, apparently Hans was his nickname. So we've got Hans, Fritz, and... What was that? Sorry, that was totally... That was distracting. My what? bad. I dropped my phone. <laughs> bad time to do that. You're right in the middle. Okay. This guy, okay. You can, you can re- restart that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean... <laughs> Hans, Hans Schnabel. Herbie is now... or Polio, polio Herbie is now Hans Schnabel. So Hans would go on to have a career spanning approximately 25 years. He competed all over the world, including tours in Japan and South Africa. Now, over time, Schnabel would wrestle under other names as well, including the masked Superman and Iron Russian number two. But his greatest notoriety was under the name of Hans Schnabel, winning several tag team championships as well as other singles titles in Texas, Hawaii, and Los Angeles. But our match here today takes place in America's heartland, Ryan, Sweet Home Chicago, which uh, I know you'll be traveling there in the very near future. Maybe you'll be having intercourse. Hard to say. But the Chicago International Amphitheater. <laughs> He's got a six-month dry spell, everybody. The Chicago International Amphitheater. is. <laughs> Just got fucking finish, Eric. You, you, you did this to yourself. It's the worst it's been to me drop my phone. <laughs> the match will be taking place at the Chicago International Amphitheater. Uh, and Hans Schnabel is not vying for a championship here today. But you could argue that this match means more than a championship, as Schnabel is set to take on the most influential wrestler of all time, and I don't say that lightly, uh, and arguably one of the most influential athletes slash pop culture figures in modern history. So a big deal that Hans Schnabel is going to be matched up against. Born George Wagner in 1915, he dropped out of school at the age of 14 and worked odd jobs to support his family. One of these odd jobs was wrestling at carnivals, which served to provide George with the skills needed to survive in the wrestling business of that era. While matches were cooperative and the winners were predetermined even back then, it was not uncommon for opponents to be at odds with one another, and double crosses were always a possibility if somebody wanted to make a name for themselves at somebody else's expense. So it was very important that you know how to actually protect yourself in the ring in case your opponent decided, hey, I want to try and make a name for myself really quick and pin this guy for real. So the wrestling business of this era... Uh, again, we're talking about uh, around the 30s or so, 30s to 40s. Uh, the wrestling business of this era was presented as 100%. Pre- what are you laughing about? Nothing. <laughs> just go ahead. It, what are you laughing about? Nothing. It's just, no, I just, I Your dry the spell? last match in the, no, no. It's <laughs> the, the last match we watched in the 50s was just, I, I, 
The, the oldest match we've seen so far, just out of curiosity, in case, because I think you're, you're trying to rack your brain. It was the terrible Ted, the wrestling bear match. Yes. 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 This has two human components to it. If that it doesn't necessarily matter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. But, uh, so again, wrestling business of this era was presented as a hundred percent legitimate. While astute viewers, is, wait, go ahead. I have a question. Sorry to interrupt. Yes. Is it wrestling today presented as one hundred percent legitimate? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's like I understanding that most people like know and like you know like, but isn't it presented? Isn't that the whole point of it? Like, if it was presented any other way, it would. It's always been presented that way. Well, there's a lot more winking at the audience nowadays than there used to be. Like this was, I, I, yeah, I, I can see. It. Okay, like th- okay. this is presented as like an actual like sport where guys are doing things that would only, in theory, happen in like a real fight type of stuff. Uh, granted, there was definitely a lot more like showmanship involved and athleticism and whatnot. Uh, but uh, nowadays, you have people with like putting their hands in their pockets in the matches, and like you have big flips and stuff like that. So it, it's Vince McMahon himself in the 1980s basically came out and said, this is not a sport. This is sports entertainment. They weren't doing that back mm-hmm. then. Although there were like, a, there was a guy named Jack Pfeffer who, after he got blocked out of the pro wrestling business, basically did this big expose where he said that wrestling was not uh, on, on the legit end of things. And so that actually kind of tanked re- the wrestling business in the New York area for a very long time. Oh. Yeah. Even though it was presented as 100% legitimate, uh, astute viewers could likely pick out logic holes and items that didn't quite add up. Uh, there this, was n- what? God, I'm sorry. No, I. It just sounds exactly like what wrestling is today. Like what you just said right after that. Like viewers could like pick out holes and like there were less not, holes to pick out, but there were still some holes. It yes. sounds like 1950s era just moved on to like 2010 like, era, but it's just like on a more like you know broad scale. Like, well, we'll see. I, we, we, you, I'm sorry, but like you know, I don't think holes in what I said, and then you said the exact. Okay, I'm just I'm just providing uh, some backstory, no, some it, clarification here. But you're but you're right, and I think that'll be one of the main takeaways of our match here today is that while there are like stylistic differences that have happened over the past seventy years, you can definitely trace a line and be like, oh, the wrestling business is really not that much different than it was at this point in time. But especially in the early 1900s, you'd have matches where guys would put each other in a headlock for like 20 to 30 minutes. So like there was that element and then people had to start. And that I know Ryan will have matches where like, oh God, it took forever. Like they don't actually sit in headlocks for 20 minutes at a time. But that was not uncommon to happen in the early 1900s. But yeah, back back here at this particular point in time, there was no tongue-in-cheek element of wrestling to speak of. The top stars of the time where they were clean-cut, they would wear black boots, black trunks, and they would engage in no-frills wrestling. So as Wagner, George Wagner, made his way through the pro wrestling ranks, it dawned on him that there was an opportunity to bring a bombastic element to wrestling that was sorely missing. While good guys and bad guys were nothing new, George took that concept and he elevated it to a level previously unheard of. So in 1941, 
on a show in Eugene, Oregon, of all places. George Wagner emerged for his match, but gone was his jet black hair, and in its place was magnificently curled locks of platinum blonde held up by bobby pins. Clad in a beautiful robe decorated with sequins and flowers, George entered the ring to the sounds of pomp and circumstance, a.k.a. The Graduation Song, which was another innovation in the world of wrestling. Prior to this, people did not use entrance music, so he really innovated that concept right here. As he approached the ring, George's valet, Jeffries, would lay down a red carpet while also holding a silver mirror in front of George so that he could admire himself. And as George removed his opulent robe, Jeffries would spray the ring itself, the ringside fans, and the referee with perfume, so as not to pollute George's airspace with their filth. And with these pieces in place, George Wagner would go on to become Gorgeous George. Now, I've been watching wrestling for a long time, Ryan. But Gorgeous George's heyday predated my fandom by about 40 years or so. But I'll always remember my grandpa, who knew how big of a wrestling fan that I was, telling me stories about old-time wrestling from years back. And the centerpiece of those stories was always Gorgeous George. And that is no surprise as the rise of Gorgeous George, a.k.a. the Toast of the Coast, a.k.a. the Sensation of the Nation, a.k.a. the Human Orchid. Almost as many nicknames as you have, Ryan. It it corresponded directly with the rise of network television. So it's been said that Gorgeous George's notoriety sold as many televisions as Milton Berle. I know you're a big Milton Berle fan here, Ryan. And, And as everyone wanted to see the prim and proper George get what was coming to him. And so his outlandish interviews only served to rile people up that much more. So we're talking about a huge star in... Not just the United States, but the world over in Gorgeous George. Okay. Uh, George's popularity, just to kind of set the stage for what level of star we're talking about, his popularity is possibly best illustrated with this fact. Due to a combination of factors like the Great Depression, World War II, and a general lack of interest in professional wrestling for the reasons that we talked about before about Jack Pfeffer, Madison Square Garden stopped running professional wrestling shows back in 1937. Twelve years later, wrestling returned to Madison Square Garden with Gorgeous George featured in the main event. He was such an attraction that he commanded 50% of the ticket sales to the event. So that was his, basically, bar to entry for him to compete. And so they were like, fuck it. Yeah, give him 50% of the of the gate, which was, again, unheard of at that point, what, point in time. What would you say a star in, like, the 1990s would take, like... <laughs> I mean, like for the WWF? Yeah. Uh, and probably, like, I guess it would be different because they're doing, like, maybe pay-per-view stuff, too. Like, mm-hmm. but, like and merchandise. general percentage, like, what would you say, like, is... they Usually they would take a percentage of the house uh, and then kind of, like, divvy it up among all the guys. But I'd say if you were, like, a Stone Cold Steve Austin in, like, the height of the 90s, I can't imagine that you were getting much more than like 10 or so percent of the gate. If I, if I had to just, just guess, I mean, yeah, for like WrestleMania, a lot of times in, in recent years, you hear about people getting like $1 million payoffs for that, uh, for that one night. And I mean, if you had to speculate on what the 
ticket sales costs. Mm-hmm. We're talking multiple multiple millions at that point. Wow. So so yeah. That's right. And to kind of put this into perspective, this event, the Madison Square Garden Show, and other events that he was a part of, led to George being one of the highest earning athletes of that era. He earned over one hundred thousand dollars per year at his at his peak. Uh, as a reference point, at the same time frame, the only Major League Baseball player to come close to that would be Joe DiMaggio, whose salary was exactly one hundred thousand uh, dollars. No other Major League Baseball player would hit that mark until Willie Mays in nineteen sixty three, mm. about 15, 15 years later. Wow. So this is a big deal guy. Like the we, the equivalent of a hundred grand back then would be multiple millions of dollars now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, arguably more important, Gorgeous George's impact on the generation of children that grew up watching him was immense. Muhammad Ali himself claimed that he met George in Las Vegas at the age of nineteen, where George imparted some wisdom that would shape Ali's career. Uh, which was, a lot of people will pay to see someone shut your mouth. So keep on bragging, keep on sassing, and always be outrageous. There you go. And so if you watch a Muhammad Ali promo, an interview, he's literally yeah. channeling Gorgeous George when he's doing that. Do you think that like that defined all like combat sports? Because you see a lot of that. In, like like you running your mouth now. It's like... it's. Yes. Emotional, but like, did it start from like, was that his kind of thing? Like, you, yes, yeah. You know, I think you could trace a line directly from all like Conor McGregor. Now you could yeah. draw a line back to jo- Gorgeous George yeah, with well, that. That's, I never, I've never heard of Gorgeous uh, George. So that's, uh, that's uh, this is he. This is. A, He's an iconic figure. And I think, and you're going to find, and and you've already kind of touched on this subject already, a lot of the things that he's doing now, you just think like, that's wrestling. The reason you think it's wrestling is because of Gorgeous George. Other people were not, he innovated all these things that we just kind of assume have always been wrestling. Those things just weren't done until he came around. Well, and also like his era was like, I think their generation was known as like the quiet generation or whatever. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of maybe... Not too like out, outlandish and like you know so, right. Like, so yes. it's kind of interesting, you know. Very much so, yeah. Right and so, that, yeah. and of course, that made it all the more likely that if you if you right. can be the guy who's breaking that mold and not doing that, people are going to want to see you get mm-hmm. your ass kicked. And along with Muhammad Ali, (laughs) along with Muhammad Ali, James Brown also claimed that he used many of Gorgeous George's antics and mannerisms to create the James Brown that was seen on stage. And even Bob Dylan claimed that meeting Gorgeous George changed his life. So we're talking like these pillars of American pop culture in James Brown, Muhammad Ali, Bob Dylan, and all of them cite Gorgeous George as being a gigantic influence on all of them. Uh, and lastly, and I don't have anywhere else to put this morsel of information, so I'm just sticking it uh, right here. I recently saw a YouTube clip that was posted by the WWE of Gorgeous George wrestling in Seattle's Aqua Theater, uh, which was a ring literally set up on top of Green Lake. <laughs> oh, shit. Like, just on the shore, kind of? Like, people could watch it? Like, like where- The video quality is not great. But I think it was kind of like somewhere where it was visible, where you could see, yeah. like people could sit on the shore and like see. But the ring itself was on top of Green Lake, wow. the water, and so the idea That's was something I would go to. Fuck yeah, like. All right, so with all of that in place, uh, today we are going to see a match between the cowardly and pretentious Gorgeous George. He's going to be taking on Hans Schnabel in a rare, uh, which Hans Schnabel is in a rare position 
of being the good guy in his match. And so this is going to be taking place again, as we mentioned, in the Chicago International Amphitheater. It is going to take place on November 3rd, 1950, and this is going to be a best two out of three falls match, as was very commonplace in the time. So it's not... What does that mean? It means uh, if you beat, let's say we're wrestling right, and you beat me, you beat you beat me in one fall. Now we're going to wrestle again. So it's three pens or two pens. Yeah, so best two out of three, right. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the first man to beat their opponent twice will be the victor, and Gorgeous George has insisted that it be written into the contract that Hans is not allowed to pull his hair. Do not touch Gorgeous George's hair, motherfucker. And that's our match. Sounds, as much as you try to dis, like disassociate, or not just, but like this sounds so much like a fucking classic 2000s wrestling match or late yes. 90s. Like it just, it's shocking. For sure. I mean, it, you, re- you replace the kiss my ass with the don't touch my hair. I mean, yes, it it, it fits in. Like the, well, the, even even a don't touch my hair would like make sense today. Like, <laughs> there, yeah. there are matches in the 90s where I've seen basically that whole thing. But uh, as far as the data going into our match here today, Ryan's record, 35 wins, 29 losses, and one draw. He's on a three-match losing streak. So we'll see if we can so turn that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, your longest losing streak is five. So you are actually approaching that. We'll see how it goes, though. Uh, Ryan has won our oldest match to date, which was Terrible Ted versus Gene Dubois. Uh, that happened in the 1960s. So we'll, we'll see how this how this goes. Maybe, maybe you're more of an old soul, Ryan. I guess we're about to find out. Any questions before we watch this thing? No. no. All right. Well, we will take a brief commercial break. We'll be back with our thoughts about Gorgeous George. Versus Hans Schnabel. Thanks, everybody. And here it is. Gorgeous George. One of the... Oh, no, ostrich... Fa- well, shades of Sally Rand. Police. Ostrich feathers, no less. The contestant in this corner from Los Angeles, California... Weighing 240 pounds, Hot Schnabel! There he is, the old powerhouse himself. His opponent in the opposite corner, that toast of the coast, that human. George is out of the ropes. Another body. No. Another backbreaker. Oh, fine. Boy, has he got him loused up. Uh, Hans, uh, temper, temper, temper. Leave us not lose it. George trying to get back in. Hans is bound to determine he's not going to get back in. Get out of the way. Uh-oh. Novak's going to call it off here. That's one thing these referees in Illinois will not stand for, is being roughed up. West Coast referees take a lot of abuse from these wrestlers, but in Illinois, they have been instructed not to. And so Sid Novak has disqualified Hans. George has won the match. There's his hand held high. The referee disqualified Hans Stavel, gave the fall the winner, Gorgeous George! Don't go push any Hans. You might have to ride me. We are back. We just watched Gorgeous George. So so pretty, so beautiful, so 
absolutely gorgeous. Uh, take on Hans Schnabel. What did you think of the match, Ryan? Did you enjoy it? It was fine. Like I, I thought the historical tie-ins to like today's wrestling was interesting. But, yes. Um. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting to watch. But it's definitely well, it is a different style of wrestling. I mean, you can. Not, but it's not. But I don't want people to think I'm on here to like shit on like wrestling that isn't on a ladder. You know, that's not my <laughs> like. Right. It's not my point. Like I understand it's different era wrestling, but and and part of that made it like it wasn't you know, but just twenty seven minute match where I fucking you know come out you, you're like an asshole. Like, you lost. You lost. You picked whatever, against like, the cultural icon. You picked you against. Should have like. You, you picked against the man who influenced Muhammad Ali, Bob Dylan, right. James <laughs> Brown. You yeah. picked the random German guy with polio. But, you know, Hans, man, like, how could boy, you have known? <laughs> You have no, but uh, let's get into the notes for our match here today. First, first things first. Maybe, maybe. Well, one of the biggest takeaways: the commentary. I loved that commentary. Commentary was good. Commentary was good. It was actually really good, like high up there on uh, on the match. But phenomenal commentary. Yeah, definitely. You know, I. I don't know how much you would tie in, but there was no, there was no crowd. There was no crowd there. There was a 1950s crowd who couldn't even get riled up a little bit for Hans and you know George, George George. Like they couldn't even get there. Like yeah, we we heard him at a few points, but but yeah, it was kind of few and far between. But I think that there was kind of a constant hum, a constant buzz. But uh, but yeah, I guess I didn't even even think about that element. But you're 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 right. When we enter into this match, when we watch the video. Gorgeous George's valet. Jeffries lays out the carpet for George. Pomp and circumstance hits in the arena. Gorgeous George emerges, starts removing the bobby pins from his hair and throwing them out to the peasants, which, again, he didn't call them bobby pins. He called them Georgie pins. I thought I was throwing, like, coins at him. I didn't realize he was... (laughs) (laughs) That would have been good, too. That would have been also good. But we got the ring introductions. You, You notice how not only were the people ringside... Like that were part of this event wearing suits, but all the f- fans, all the people in the crowd as well, all like decked out in their in their fineries, which you were very taken aback by. I'm not taken aback by it. I just I don't I don't get it. <laughs> so if you had to have dinner with a with a relative of yours, the first question is, how come you guys dressed up for everything all the time? Yeah, that'd be a great question. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing I most want to know about. From there. The referee begins checking Hans at George's request. Uh, George wants to make sure nothing's being hidden in the back of the robe or anything like that. Jeffries, his assistant, uh, helps George remove his ostrich robe. I laughed pretty hard when George was lifting his robe up to show that he wasn't hiding anything. That fucking classic fucking stuff. George... Very subtle move, but like when the referee's giving both guys the instructions, he has his hands on both of their shoulders. Eventually, George, after he removes the hand, brushes the dirt from the uh, referee's hand. Very subtle, but just a great bit of character work. For the match itself, they begin circling uh, before they lock up. I don't know how many of the... I've got some commentary gems scattered throughout my notes here. George with a bit of skullduggery which is one of my favorite words uh, of all time. Anytime you can use that in day-to-day life, always a good idea. I miss that. Like, 
Yes, it was it was one of the highlights of the of the commentary. Was George's skullduggery. George does not want to be struck in the face, but of course he's all too willing to pop Hans in the face with a nice little right uppercut. There got some various uh, maneuvers in the ropes. I think initially you were kind of befuddled by the counting and whatnot. By the end, did it sort of make sense? Like basically, you want to stay away from the ropes. If you're in the ropes, it's an illegal sort of yeah, bit of I mean, contact. I just. I do still think, I swear I saw it in the beginning, they were like, he was like on his knees. Maybe he grabbed a rope, but mm-hmm. like it felt like they were like counting at like different points than I would normally see them counting at in like right. a regular match. I, But okay. Yeah. I understood by the end. A fair amount of begging off. So George does this kind of tactical thing. Uh, sometimes he'll just sort of like plead for mercy and then run away a little bit. Other times, and this is a move that he pulled a few times during the match, he would put his both of his hands behind his back as to basically say, you wouldn't hurt a defenseless man, would you, or anything like that. Like those are just little bits of just bastard fucking bad guy pro wrestler stuff just cowardly bullshit wrestling that i that i enjoy quite a bit Uh, i also think the the referee great great refereeing asserted maybe asserted himself too much i guess we'll we'll kind of come to the end of the match here in a little bit but very assertive anytime he saw something that was against the rules that he didn't like uh not afraid to kind of get in there break up the holds kind of you know get physical with the guys as as needed sorry eric i don't want to run this long or cut you off, but I did, I did just go back and rewatch that clip that I said at the beginning. Okay. Where like, there was a, there was a weird pin move. Yes. And they're not on the ropes. I don't, I don't know what he's on his knees. Like, and, <sighs> and the ref is just like, maybe it's not, he's not like hitting the mat, but he's throwing his, he's throwing his like hands down. He's like, what? Two. Like he's, he's doing it here. Let me give you a timestamp. Like, Please. Uh, six, like start at six, six forty. Okay. All right, I'm watching it right now. Uh, yeah, no, his his foot's underneath the rope. Not this, not this. Okay. It's the next one, Mike. His foot's still underneath the rope. This time it's George's, George's foot's Which underneath. foot is underneath the rope? George's foot was underneath the rope that second time. His left foot was uh, under the rope. Like, he's not touching the rope, though. You don't have to be touching the rope. If you break the, break the plane of the oh, rope. Well, you, you, you want to know the answer. That's the fucking answer. Actually, you can't even tell necessarily from this. Like, Yeah, not from that angle. But like, if you were looking at it from the side, you'd be able to see that his leg is underneath the plane of the rope. You don't have to be touching the rope physically. If you, if you literally break the plane of the rope, you are officially out of bounds. <laughs> I mean, is that sufficient enough for you? I mean, that's the answer. I can, I can make up a bullshit I mean, thing I'm if you want. I'm saying it's like not the, I'm just, you know, like... Barely, like <laughs> this is this is not fucking horseshoes. It's not close enough. It's it's he's either in the ropes or he's not in the ropes. He was in the ropes. Count begins being administered. That's an illegal maneuver at that point. Just talk to me. I'm your fucking expert over here, dog. I'll, I'll help you out. Um, was there a favorite move that you had of the match, Ryan? Was there one thing that kind of stuck out to you? I thought that uh, Han Schnabel's blockbuster that he used to win that second fall was uh, was a well executed little suplex there. There's a couple, like, right after I said this match fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, they got a little into it, and I was like, oh, shit, I should. Yeah, there were some strike exchanges, especially yeah, yeah, Gorgeous yeah. George. 
great selling. When he would get punched in the face, he'd just start shaking his head and his yeah. wild curls would go everywhere. He very, very excellent uh, selling in my in my opinion. There there was a couple of those, um, but it was few and far like in between. But like there's I mean, it, you know, for the nineteen fifties, you gotta respect that. Like <laughs> you gotta you gotta respect it. But yeah, they kind of go back and forth a little bit. I think right after you said that, yeah, they start exchanging blows. Uh, we've got some maneuvers where Hans literally grabs Gorgeous George by the hair and kind of throws him across the ring over and over. George comes back with some big flying headlock takeovers. That leads to the pinfall on Hans Schnabel, uh, which was the first fall uh, George George took that, which I think you said you were surprised that George won the first fall. Yeah, I, did. I just couldn't lean it one way or the other on this. Like, I, I, it seemed very quick. Like, it was very even, and then all of a sudden he was down. Like, mm-hmm. so that was that was it. Uh, jumping ahead, though, so yeah, kind of a little bit of back and forth. I think the, again, one of the things that you could really tie wrestling of today and of like you know the '90s and whatever to you know this match from 1950. There's a bit where George has Hans in a leg lock submission hold. And George starts using the rope for leverage. He starts pushing against the rope. Uh, the referee catches Gorgeous George, makes him break. He creates that separation. A classic fucking shit. We've seen that in matches from the 90s. I'm sure yeah. we've probably seen that type of thing in the 2000s as well. But yeah, very, very good stuff. We've got George with the big blockbuster suplex that leads to him getting a pinfall. So we're tied up at one fall apiece to both men. When the third fall starts up, pretty quick one overall. They exchange a series of strikes. Hans slams George into the turnbuckle repeatedly, which that that honestly looked pretty fucking brutal. I don't know that I would want to take kind of that inverted, like just getting my tailbone slammed into the top of the turnbuckle, but George took a couple of those. And then as he's trying to cl- uh, climb back into the ring, Hans keeps punching him away, shoving him off. A uh, referee tries to intervene. He gets shoved for his trouble. And of course that leads to Hans getting disqualified, which means gorgeous George is the winner of the, of his second fall. So he wins it. two yeah, falls. To I, one. you know, I've taken some losses, you know, where I'm like, damn, fair <laughs> loss. Yeah. This this one was another bullshit fucking loss <laughs> that shouldn't have happened. All right. Why and did you pick Hans? Just out of curiosity. Hans looked like a classic Chicago guy. Like I know he's German, but like he looked like a guy who's like just a Chicago big guy. Like you know, I it's black and white, but like you know, black hair. Like <laughs> you know, like I just he, he looked like that kind of guy you see on the street who like just does wrestling on the side. You know, but he really <laughs> works in like a one of you know, those guys, yeah, of course. Yeah, like, you know, he's probably in the Great Chicago Fire, you know, like, <laughs> your stories. Of it. I, you know, like, he just, that's, that's the kind of guy Hans is. And uh, I think I, you were a little they, biased they, against the I human was, orchid, if I'm being honest. I, I, there's something about, like, the way his hair, like, it, that fucking bothers me for some reason. Like, the way <laughs> people did themselves up back in the day and... I don't know. It just bothered me. And so, like, Hans is a guy who's out there in 1950s just living his life, you know? Like, and he, he wrestles sometimes, like, you know? You would have been the exact type of person to go out and buy a TV set so you could see somebody beat the shit out of Gorgeous George. That's exactly. Like, I, and, and he did. <laughs> he did beat the shit out of Gorgeous George, and he fucking lost. Like, 
You can't win them all. You can't win them all. But uh, after the disqualification is announced, Gorgeous George, he grabs a chair, a wooden chair, brings it to the ring. nice touch. Tries the, I I know you were really hoping for that. Tries to use it, but the referee sort of, like this referee, he wasn't taking any fucking shit from anybody. Uh, So Schnabel gets shoved out of the ring and that's, that's basically it. There was, in the one thing I would like when I rank this match, I'll yeah. give it like, there's so many connections to like what wrestling is now that I have to respect it. I'm just saying, like, yeah, you know, watching it, I'm like, I'm a young guy in the 2020s, you know, like, exactly. I don't live in the 1950s. <laughs> I, like, You'd love to talk to somebody and have dinner for so, from somebody <laughs> with the 1950s. Absolutely. But, yeah. And why? Why'd you act that way? <laughs> Tell me why right now. Anything else worth noting, mentioning, et cetera, before we rank it? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, let's uh, let's do it. Let's do. Let's give me another hard match to rank. Um, let's do the ranking. <laughs> like a separate category for shit like this. <laughs> what? I mean, unfortunately, it's not how this works. That's not not how we do this. Everything is on one list. Anything that is a professional wrestling match gets added to our list. This will be the sixty sixth match that we have uh that we have seen so far i've heard this i've heard a fucking dog from your end for Uh, the better part of the fucking oh i'm sorry i have to hear this for like 20 20 minutes whose dog is this is this a neighbor i have to fucking listen to this all night like that's not a roommate's dog is it no we don't have a dog this is a fucking neighbor's dog what type of dog is it Uh, probably a little dog it sounds like like a fucking asshole of a dog yeah yeah not not a fan um is it just outside um, all, t- all the time? What the fuck's happening here? No, it just barks at night. Like, hmm. I should tell you this other thing. Maybe get. I'm. I'm I have my sheets up. I'm, I'm analyzing right now. Yeah, please. Yeah, but but just so you, down here, I don't know. Like up in Washington, you know the birds chirp at like six a.m. Sure, five a.m. Yeah. Whatever. Like that's how you kind of know it's like morning. Yeah, that happens here at like fucking eleven p.m. What really? It is, it is awful. Like it throws <laughs> my sleep off. It like fucks me up. Like. Because it sounds like it's morning, but it's fucking like 11 p.m. It's weird. Sounds like you need a noise machine. Well, yeah, I got yeah, I I got my little head thing on, but like it, it's uh, I really, it's 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 weird. Uh, Las Vegas little thing. Las Vegas Um, birds. Anyway, um, I kind of want to rank this like just because I can respect history, um, (laughs) you know, Uh (laughs) and. You know, like if I were gonna, if this, if the, I, I not, did I enjoy this match? Like, not really. Like, it's a match, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the tie-ins to like what wrestling is today, I got, you got to respect that. Sure, um, you gotta. And I kind of want to put it like higher because of that, and like feel like throwing it in okay would be like a little disrespectful. Okay. Um. So I would throw it at the very bottom end of like good, only for what it means to like. Okay. Wrestling, if that makes sense, like. No, I think that uh, I think that makes sense to me. Um, yeah. So like the new, I guess twenty six. Okay. All right. New yeah. twenty six. All right. Bear with me for a moment. Do okay. There we go. New twenty six. Not quite the new number one, but you know what? Still, we got a good match out of this, everybody, and we we learned some history, some stuff that I would expect, I would imagine. Because I certainly didn't know this until I started putting my notes together. I would imagine a lot of the folks listening probably didn't know a whole lot of that either. So hopefully you found this informative and entertaining little episode, Edutainment. That's a merger of 
education and entertainment there for you, Ryan. But we gotta we gotta finish it. It's it's a sad state of affairs, I know, but I'm admittedly very sweaty. Ryan, I would expect, is probably very hungry, and so we got to end it. And so we gotta end Why it. Are you this- sweaty? Huh? Why are you sweaty? Because it's uh, summertime. It's uh, it's hot, and I don't have like air conditioning down here in the basement of Hedonism Four. You remember sweating out of your eyeballs here once upon a time, not uh, too long ago. But uh, let's uh, let's let's finish it out with a little segment we like to call Eric's Wisdom Tree. Oh man, what do we what do we want to impart? What do I feel like today, Ryan? What do I feel like? You know, Ryan. You'll never regret spending money on making a memory. Yeah, I've been feeling that way recently. <laughs> is that what you call your Uber Eats uh, habits, is making making memories with all your cool food that you're ordering from McDonald's and shit? Eric, I consider myself a pretty like financially responsible guy. I keep my credit score in line. Uh, you know, I contribute my 401k, my Roth. I do all that. But... You never know when you're going to die, you know. And, and, you know, credit card debt or just wasting your money like that. It's just just things that you won't have to pick up when you want your debt. You know, you should should be out there fucking spending your youth on some on some great memories, you know, like you should be you should be purchasing memories, not purchasing goods, you know, for sure. And we we were just on (laughs) one of my. We're going back up to Seattle in late September, and um, we do these trips like a lot now. It's kind of it's great. Like you know, go to Sacramento, go to Vegas, we go to Seattle, we are wherever. And like, <laughs> but one of my friends had a baby recently, and he's like, "Oh man, like you know, I can't go. Like otherwise, you know, like I got to bring the baby in the wild." We're like, "Dude, Taylor, come on! Like you, how many, we may only have like." 10 or 15 more times to like chill together. You know, we don't know when we're going to die. Like exactly. we're not counting, we're not counting years anymore. We're counting time. You're, like, you're counting many, quarter miles at a time instances, you know, like how many, how, you know, like, and you don't know when that's going to end. You should spend your money on memories. I am getting the, I'm not being super responsible. I'm dropping, you know, three, 400 bucks a plane ticket to go wherever the, you know, I want to now. And just like, you know, like, do I have a shitload of money laying around? No. But do I have some money laying around that comes in? Do I work to make money? Yeah. Like, so I'm I'm just fucking out there having a great time, you know? And yeah, take care of your health. But, you know, you should do that. And that's, you know, but hey, spend money on your memories. I actually, Eric, this is like the most, this resonates with me so fucking hard. <laughs> I don't know how you brought this up, but we were just talking about it. And like, I totally agree. Spot on, spot on fucking Eric. This is, this is the Eric's wisdom I've been waiting for for like many years. <laughs> I I'm not even going to argue anything because I don't want to dampen the mood in here. But no, I, I I heard somebody say it. And at the time that I heard it, I was wrestling with the idea uh, because I have our, our big five-year anniversary. You only get one. Well, not all, not everybody. But, but for hopefully, you only have one five-year anniversary uh, in your life. When you're when you're a married couple, it's like five years. It's been five years. Yes, since you were married. Oh, wow. I thought it was longer. Our actual anniversary is like two days from the time of this recording, but uh, oh. uh, we're we're celebrating it in 
September, actually, right around the time that this this is going to be airing, uh, or Labor Day weekend, I may, like, I was trying to deliberate, like, how, because we're going to Maui, and I've never been to Maui. uh, I've been to all the other islands of Hawaii. (laughs) You'll love it. I'm sure I will. I'm going to get some Maui cookie lady. It'll be be a fantastic little time. But, uh, so we're doing, you know, and nothing's like cheap on Maui, but we're doing like a, a somewhat less expensive Airbnb for the first part of the trip. And then the last few nights of the trip is like, okay, let's do something really nice, something we ordinarily wouldn't do. It's not like we've been traveling a ton during the pandemic or anything. So it's yeah, like, let's yeah. do something nice. It's our five-year anniversary. Like my wife doesn't even know specifically what I booked, but I basically booked a corner suite at the Westin in Maui. Is So I, is that like a Pretty nice. I would assume it's, it's like beach. I mean, yeah, everything's like a beach life. hotel in Maui. But yeah, and the Westin is like one of the upper tier chains of nice. like, I could I, could I have found something that would cost more? Yes. But like, this is easily the most I've ever spent on a hotel room. Would it be, would it be rude to ask? <laughs> I'm just curious. Now I'm not sure. Let's see. I have a, f- page, like. I have a figure in mind. Have you booked it yet? Or are you just planning on like... I have booked it. Oh, you booked it. Okay. It's done. Oof. <laughs> are, you, are you thinking maybe we should like hold back on spending on memories? At this I mean, point? <laughs> no, it's, it's whatever. I, I, it's done. Yeah, so yeah. this isn't what the actual fuck, man. Uh, this is what I, <laughs> this is like the grand total with like fucking resort fees and all that other shit. But yeah. it basically came out to like, Two grand a night. Oh, for three nights. Yeah. So that is that is that's big. That's big money. That's yeah. That's not an insubstantial amount of money. You said two thousand dollars total for three. I was like, that's actually pretty expensive too. Like, but then (laughs) per night, like, yeah. So that's hey, Eric. Good on you. First of all, your wife's gonna like a good husband. You know, like dropping a lot of. You know, I know you guys both work, you know, whatever, but like, <laughs> right. I'm just, you know, like good planning. I like it. I like where you're going with it. Um, and take, take some fucking pictures. I'm, I'm curious to see what this, you know, this corner suite fucking like looks like, you know, uh, supposedly it has like a, like a, like a big tub that's overlooking like the water. Is it a hard shape? I don't think it's a heart-shaped tub. That would be that would be nice, but I don't think it's that. I get. I think we get like exclusive access to su- not like just us, but like there's you get access to a special bar that's like adults-only bar and like has its own pool. I don't know. It seems is very it, nice. Is it all inclusive? Do you get like your meals with this, or is that no? <laughs> so it's really expensive. So it's really fucking expensive. But Damn, dude. Hey, I- Props to you, man. Like sometimes I, you gotta spend this, money to make this memories. This is what I'm fucking saying, right there, dude. This is the heart of what I'm saying. <laughs> is the heart of it. Like I've been saying uh, that for years. I'm the heart of wow. Ryan Murphy. When are you? When are you guys going? The end of September, you said. Uh, beginning of September, the Labor Day beginning weekend. Of September. <sighs> nice, man. Yeah, Good for you, dude. That's what I'm talking about. That is the, that is the exact shit. I couldn't agree more with what you're saying right now. I'm in the mood for that. I don't know if I, maybe I'm doing like a. 
this could be my midlife crisis. I don't know. Like, you know maybe I'm it, and I'm just ready to fucking go out there and just uh, live. And I think you should spend your money on this shit. For so, your sake, nice. for Greta's sake, I'm going to hope that this is not your midlife crisis. But it, sometimes you got to <laughs> live as if as if it might be that. So yeah, so that yeah. that's my main takeaway. It's nice. never you will never regret spending money on making a memory. Although I'm going to test that theory. <laughs> You, you were, I saw your face when you like where you looked this up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, but I, I could not, I could not agree more. I could not agree more. So, what a what a cordial ending. No, they're not all always this cordial. Everybody for the Hardmark podcast, but this one, this one certainly was. So we will be back with Rumpus Time on September eighth. Be on the lookout for that. And if you are not hard, get hard. Once you get hard, stay hard. That's all, folks. The Cock of Justice.